Welcome to episode 34 of Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Okay, big word time. Quos Deus vault perdere, prius dementat. Now, I took Latin in ninth grade, so apologies in advance to any Latin scholars out there as to how I may, may have mangled the pronunciation. But does anyone know what this means? Quos Deus vault perdere, prius dementat. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Anybody else? I know we've got a third iceberg somewhere out there in the... I forgot the direct translation. <clears throat> it literally means those whom God wishes to destroy, he first deprives of reason. Those whom God wishes to destroy, he first deprives of reason. Quos Deus vault perdere, prius dementat. Sometimes it's written quem lupiter vault perdere, dementat prius which is translated as those whom Jupiter, or the gods, wish to destroy, he first deprives of reason. Now, if you read Wikipedia, or if you research the work of others who cite this phrase, they seem to marvel at its antiquity, citing the Greeks who employed in their works this kind of a proverb that was even at that time considered common knowledge. Throughout the centuries, this phrase has become ubiquitous. That is, everywhere. The phrase, whom the gods would destroy, they first make mad, appears in the Reverend William Anderson Scott's book, Daniel, a model for young men. It also appears in Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's poem, The Mask of Pandora, which cites the classic Antigone by Sophocles. Listen to this. For with wisdom did someone once reveal the maxim, now famous, that evil at one time or another seems good to him whose mind a god leads to ruin, but for the briefest moment such a man fares free of destruction. In a 1768 letter urging the British not to rattle the sabers of war against the American colonists, Benjamin Franklin concluded his letter with these words, And is there not one wise and good man to be found in Britain? who can propose some conciliating measure that may prevent this terrible mischief? I fear not one, for, quos deus vault perdere dementat prios, which means those whom God wishes to destroy, he first deprives of reason. So Franklin was appealing to them to be reasonable at a time when he thought the British were being quite unreasonable in getting ready for war against their own colonies. To you literature buffs, Leo Tolstoy uses this Latin sentence, quas volt perdere dementat, in reference to Napoleon, 
closing the second chapter of the third book of his 1837 novel, War and Peace. I have a daughter who will appreciate this next reference. In Dostoevsky's 1868 novel, The Idiot, in a garbled account of the loss of 400 rubles in Part 3, Chapter 9, and I'm going to get this character probably mush up his words, mush up my words in his, his name, Lukian Timofeich Lebedev tells Prince Lev Nikolaevich Mishkin, quote, Truly, when God wishes to punish a man, he first deprives him of reason. British political leader Enoch Powell incorporated this phrase in 1968 in his what was known as Rivers of Blood speech, urging caution against unchecked immigration. Even author Ian Fleming. I'm hearing typing. It sounds like our iceberg from down in the deep, dark dungeon is typing. Well, sorry, my finger hit the keyboard, but right. I'm not typing anything let's, out. Let's, let's not type. Yeah, please don't type. <laughs> please don't type when Dang we're Dang it, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> my fingers just started typing madly. Even author Ian Fleming manages to find a way to employ a variation on the theme. Anybody know who Ian Fleming is? No. <laughs> no, I don't. Wrote James Bond novels. Ah. So he, he did this variation saying, those whom the gods wish to destroy, they first make bored. And that was actually from Russia with Love. And last but not least, in 1969, the original Star Trek series had an episode titled, Whom Gods Destroy. And it depicted the psychotic descent of a formerly brilliant Starfleet commander. When we get back, our icebergs will join me in the Palaces of Analysis to examine the meaning and real origins of this interesting turn of phrase. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Today in the studio, Penelope, Roger, and I are rejoined by a remote iceberg. Uh, some of you, if you've listened from the beginning of this episode, probably heard him accidentally typing on his computer through the phone. Somewhere deep down in the swamplands of Alabama, a swashbuckling paddler, as it were, working under the moniker Russell. Welcome back, Russell. Yeehaw. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my Squidgetville icebergs. And for those who may be confused about the Squidgetville reference, I refer you to episode 33, where we mapped it out all in detail. All right, great. So let's get right into the... Palaces of Analysis. In our first segment, you may recall that among those who discuss quos deus vault perdere prius dementat, 
that is, those whom God wishes to destroy, he first deprives of reason, many seem to marvel at the antiquity of the idea, finding its genesis at least as far back as the Greeks over 2,500 years ago. So let me turn to the icebergs and ask them what they believe to be the real root of this idea of God depriving of reason those whom he intends to destroy. Did it just begin with the Greeks? And by the way, before you answer, think carefully about supporting your argument. In other words, where's your evidence? Upon what foundation do you place your belief? On what basis? Right. If we're going to argue and analyze rationally, it's not sufficient, remember, to simply say we believe something. We must demonstrate the rationale, the evidentiary basis for why we believe what we believe. This is what is known as epistemology. How do we know what we know or on what basis do we know what we claim to know? Do we have evidence, in other words, for our beliefs? What is our theory of knowledge? And as we have thoroughly explained in many prior episodes of this program, while the interpretation of that evidence will vary according to one's worldview, one's ultimate beliefs and presuppositions, an argument or a position to be rational must be supported by evidence. So the question, did this idea just begin with the Greeks? I'd say no. Okay. Do you have... Well, before anybody tells me where or why you believe that, Penelope or Russell, did this idea begin with the Greeks, as many people seem to think? I'd agree with Roger. No. No. Okay. It took me a while to kind of realize. Where do you think it began? Where do all things begin? What preceded the Greeks? Bible times. The Word of God, yeah. right? Yeah. So, do you not believe that or do you believe it? Before I go on and add some legs to that table or to that stool. What? <laughs> I'm simply asking the question. If you believe that the Word of God is the source of such an idea, do you have any particular passages that you could cite to prove that? Which one? <laughs> now they're looking to their well, phones. What about for Romans someone's... 1, 18 through 21? <laughs> well, 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 you I'll actually check. have to go deeper. All right. In all fairness, um, we must disclose with full transparency that I gave <gasps> the students, the icebergs, three passages from Scripture, which we're going to get to in the last part of the program, not right now, um, Romans 1, uh, the book of Second Peter, a couple of different chapters, both 2 and 3, and Psalm 73, all of which give us our evidence. But <clears throat> before we do that, I want to ask the icebergs, including Remote Russell, to give me some modern or current day examples of this phenomena of men losing their minds and tell me whether it suggests that God may be preparing them for judgment and destruction. Okay, all play. Open up the Pandora's box of issues. Hmm. This is a very open-ended question. I'm trying to think of how to narrow it down. Um, well, you could start. There's so many. You could start anywhere. Did I hear Russell? Pardon? Do you have? Give me some ideas of where people are losing their minds in in modern society. Oh. Um. How about not relying on science, believing that a mask can keep a virus what, 10 times smaller than the holes in the mask from <clears throat> entering? Yeah, that's actually a, a very poignant and current example, isn't it, for 
a hundred years, people didn't wear masks uh, except in the hospital when they're performing surgery, and which was to keep um, droplets from getting into an open wound. And suddenly, the same people were telling us, oh, no, 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 now these masks are going to stop a virus, even though, as Roger correctly identified, the virus itself is about a thousand times, one thousandth the size of a whole of the mask. And the question you always should ask somebody who's got a mask on is, well, can you breathe? Yes, I can breathe. Well, then what do you think's getting through there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like, all the air is getting through, but the virus is not getting through. And it leads to a lot of crazy lack of logic and lack of um, credible actions. For example, someone who will wear a mask and then pull it down to eat and then put it back up and then pull it down and put it back up as if, well, the virus isn't going to get in me now. Or when you have places where, remember Roger and I, we used to work out at a local facility and they made us put on a mask just to get in the door. But then once we started working out, we could take it off. As soon as we walked past the front desk, we could take it off. So no logic there, right? The the virus was going to stay in that little sphere of right in front of the desk, and that's the only poisonous place there was in the whole. Okay, so that's we'll set aside that subject. Give me another current event which shows evidence or gives evidence of people losing their minds, literally. People who think that they can be whoever they are, literally. Like, um, gender, yeah, yeah, gender fluidity, right? This term, tell me more about that, Penelope. Um, well, first of all, people believe that they could not only change their appearance, that they can, um, become a different gender, that they become something that is not either genders, or there's so many different levels of things that people have just created and are like, you gotta, um, respect me by, I don't know, the pronoun stuff. People are like, I'm making up my own pronouns. You gotta call me this. Like, no, that's stupid. Like, yeah, it's and, nonsense. And it, it is nonsense. It becomes very confusing, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you have one person who's built like a man and who has male chromosomes telling you that he is really a woman and then he'll dress like a woman. And if you call, in some areas, if you call him a man and refer to him as him, because it's so obvious from all available evidence, right? We're talking about science now. Suddenly, science is thrown out the window. And now it just, <clears throat> it only depends upon what a person feels in his own heart. It doesn't matter what all available evidence suggests. He feels that he's a different gender. And I always... One of the best ways to poke a hole in that argument, if it's based on feeling, is, well, I feel like I'm the president of the United States. So does that mean that I get to have access to the White House and the security codes and the red button that drops nuclear bombs and disarms the Dr. Pepper to your desk? you got to respect me by calling me Mr. President. Yeah. And not just calling me, but actually acknowledging that I am the president. Yeah. Okay? So gender fluidity. And we've seen the confusion even within... The realm of sex, and I'm talking about it politically, right? So for years, women's rights were advocated. Uh, We got hit over the head with it for the last 50 years. And now there's a real conflict because they developed all of these women's sports at the collegiate level, at high school level, in professional sports. And suddenly you have a man, a transgender man, who has all of his male hormones, even though he's taken some injections to try to make it look like he's a female, 
clearly dominant, winning races, bicycle races, swimming races, competing in sports and, and lifting weights, champions, and you have these women <clears throat> who've been fighting for so long for their own sphere of influence in sports, right? Because they didn't want to compete with man. And here they are right back competing with men who are just calling themselves women. So if there's not a, a better example of how people are losing their minds, it would be in the quote unquote gender fluidity, which is not, you know, despite how God created them, despite the obvious and unalterable chromosomes, they're clearly not fluid. All right. So that's that subject. Shift to a different subject. Russell. Are we, okay. Um, let's see. What was I going to say? The administration, kind of present administration. Doing. Pardon? T- tell me what they're doing on the border or with respect to fossil fuels and energy. Like, what do you mean? Well, <laughs> do we have a border anymore in the South? Or are we just letting people come across and inviting them and sending our baby formula down there, <clears throat> depriving us? Yeah. So how logical is that? We deprive mm-hmm. American citizens of access to baby formula, right? Yeah. And, and yet when people say, where is it? The administration admits, oh, it's all down at the border. We're giving it to the illegals who are coming across the border. By the way, most of the people... Not all, but so many of the people coming across the border from, we've now counted 125 different countries. So they're not just coming from Mexico. They're not just coming from Central America. They're not merely coming from South America. They're actually coming from all over the world to Mexico because they know there's free access into the southern part of the United States. Many of them are young men of fighting age, but nope, nothing to see here. And ironically, who are the only people that are not required to go through health protocols in our country? The illegals. Illegal yeah. immigrants. Yeah. There's no concern. Now, I'm all for stop bothering us with COVID tests and masks. But if the view of our government is that these things are necessary, then why do they ignore it when it comes to everybody coming across the border? Literally a couple of million a year now transforming the country. Okay. The administration has given the illegals more, quote, American rights than us Americans do. Yeah, absolutely. It's turning, it's turning citizenship on its head. It doesn't – not only – it's not just neutral, no distinction between citizen and non-citizen, but the citizen is actually subordinate to the non-citizen. Yeah. Okay, in energy policy, let's talk about one more. <clears throat> so in energy – Gas prices are going up, and the left loves the fact that gas prices are going up because they have this belief that they can shift everybody to driving electric cars, which ultimately still depend on fossil fuels because you got to be able to charge the batteries, you got to be able to build the cars and whatnot. You have to be able to mine the batteries. Mine the batteries, of course, in places where we don't have any rights because they're all controlled by China, especially in, in Africa. I guess who? <laughs> So despite all of our access to and our rich mines, what is the, what is the quote from um, Tocqueville? Rich mines and their vast world commerce. Yeah. Yeah, rich mines. And then the other line is fertile fields and, and boundless, boundless forests, boundless forest, which has always been here in North America. Despite all of that at our availability, we are purposely depriving ourselves of these resources 
for political reasons, right, for worldview reasons, because the belief by those who control the country is that, quote-unquote, electric is cleaner, electric is the future. And this last week it just came out that the Biden administration even added, increased the percentage of ethanol that's required to be put into gas from 10% to 15%. And any of our listeners that know anything about ethanol, they know that it destroys car engines. So now we're being forced, they're, they're, they're cutting more corn, which damages the animals that we need to eat or from which we're getting milk, right? Um, and also pork too. So you've got cows and pigs, any, any animal, animal that eats corn, and all of the grain supplies that are used for everything else we eat. Yeah, what about everything else that's made from corn? Right. All so we're, cereal, chips, and whatnot. And what would we, what would we do without like corn, corn chips. chips? Oh my gosh! In our house, that's that's the hockey <laughs> snack right there. <clears throat> a little salsa. Um, so they're it eliminating. If you're lucky, they're reducing the the access to food. They are increasing the price of fuel because it's you can't just overnight take a refinery that's refining at 10 percent ethanol and make it change to 15 percent without seriously changing your your entire manufacturing process and refining process. And your infrastructure to transport mm. that fuel right. because it's, the whole chemical composition has changed. And so what they allow, what the government allows is for this trading. And so if you don't have the capacity to do that, you can buy yourself out of jail, like get out of jail free card. Okay, I'm not making 15% ethanol yet, so I can buy it from somebody who is, somebody who has a smaller refinery over here. It's, it's, it's wicked. It's evil. So it makes gas more expensive it makes food scarce, and it destroys your car engine. And when you compare it, or when you uh, include the fact that, what is it, all cars by 2026 must have tracking by the government? I think it's 25, yeah. 25. To, to allow them to shut your car off from any location. And the government, and this passed Congress, this passed both yeah. houses of Congress, of course, deep down in a 2,000, 3,000-page bill. But somebody knew what they were doing, and someone else didn't pay attention. Yes, so I, I tw check me on it. It's 25 or 26. Cars must be made with access for the federal government to, to shut the car down. To be able to shut off your car. So if you consider that, you know, in relation to these, these gas things, cars made before then won't be able to handle the 15% ethanol, and the cars made after then can be shut down by the government. Right. So they've got you coming and going. A hard place. Yeah. yeah. Time to get some bikes out on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they want, Penelope. I remember when in, 19, in the 1970s, they gave us t-shirts in elementary school that said, bicycles don't pollute. And that was the whole mission was to get us all riding bikes. Meanwhile, all of these so-called important people ride their jets all over the world. <laughs> exactly. The conference is telling us why we should be riding our bikes. When we return, we're going to examine those passages from the Bible that we cited a little earlier in order to get to the root of all of this. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands.
Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologists. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I am still your host. Okay, I've asked my icebergs, including Remote Russell. Say hi, Remote Russell. Hello. To, no, I said say hi, not hello. Hi. <laughs> to read from these selected passages. Forgive me in advance, though, because I may interrupt from time to time to make emphasis. But let's begin with Romans 1, beginning at verse 18, because it is there where we find the true genesis of this idea that God, or that those whom God would destroy, he first abandons to irrationality, giving them over to their own foolish thinking. Okay, so Penelope, why don't you start beginning at verse 18, and then we'll click through that. <clears throat> Do you want me to stop anywhere in particular? I'll, I'll interrupt. Okay. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Okay, Raj, you want to pick up at verse 21? Raj. <laughs> Raj. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Keep going. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Russell, you want to pick up verse 24? Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the disregarding of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Uh, and yep. And I'll pick up at verse 26. <clears throat> because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do these things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So clearly, in Romans 1, just the second half of the chapter alone, gives us a detailed list of how God abandons people to the foolish thinking of their own minds, right? Their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Scripture says God gave them over in these sinful desires. God gave them over to shameful lust. Because they did not think it worthwhile to retain knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind, right? So this would seem to be consistent, would it not, with the phrase that we've been studying since the beginning of this episode, which is? 
What's the phrase? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Latin, so I don't... Quos Deus vault perdere prius dementat. Those whom God wishes to destroy, he first deprives of reason. So, Scripture had it from the start, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's hold that. Now let's move to Second Peter. because Second Peter tells us what happens then. Um, let me start, flip to Second Peter chapter 2. Let's start at verse 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who is distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. Okay? So here again, we have God acknowledging, first of all, a distinction between the righteous and the unrighteous, and the righteous we know are declared righteous by Christ, right? It's not in our own. We do not do this on our own, but for God making himself freely available to us, there is no righteousness in us. We are sinful from birth. So God declares us righteous, but to anyone who disobeys, to those who who do not believe— we go on to Second Peter 3, where he says in, in verse 3, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. All right, so God is clearly telling us that destruction is reserved for the ungodly. He tells us why they're ungodly if we go back to Romans 1, right, which is because they have abandoned clear thinking in exchange for their own futile thinking and foolish hearts. God says three times in that passage of Romans, he gave them over, he gave them over, he gave them over. So then this is my question. Do you see evidence that the people, and and how do you feel about it, that the people who are advancing this lack of logic, the people who are forcing inhumane, um, irrational designs on us, Where's their punishment? Do you ever wonder, like, doesn't it appear as though all's going well with them? They're in power. They, they're rich and famous. They're covered in the media. They get patted on the back. They never seem to go to jail. They never seem to, every time there's a guy on trial or even suspected of doing something wrong, he seems to always get off, right? How does that make you feel? Why do you think that's happening? Well, I mean, it's 
kind of makes me indignant. Like, why do you get to do all this bad stuff <laughs> and still seem to evade punishment? But I think the reality is that they're not evading punishment. Their punishment is just delayed. Punishment is delayed. That's absolutely right. As it says back in the passage of Peter a little bit later on, says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Flip ahead to Psalm 73 now. I want you to read how the psalmist dealt with this. And I believe this is one of David's... Uh, no, uh, I can't say for sure. Psalm 73, though. It says it's Psalm of Asaph. Asaph. Okay, let's, let's read this whole psalm. It's not that long. Start with Roger. From verse 1. Yes. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped... I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Stop right there. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Ever feel that way? Yep. Yeah. Russell? Yes. Ever feel that way? Yes, I did. Okay. I, did. <laughs> I didn't know if you meant yes, I'm listening, or yes. All right, continue, Roger. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. <laughs> they are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Right? Doesn't it sound like we're talking about the people of our day who, who rule over us? Yeah. Yeah. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. Violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. Even their imaginations... What have we faced for the last two years? Every time we turn around, it's like, oh my gosh, they're going to try this, right? They're going to try to lock us down. They're going to burn down farms and kill two million chickens. Chickens' they're, lives matter. <laughs> their imaginations are frightening, right? Their evil imaginations have no limits. Continue. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It their, feels like you're reading from the newspaper. Their mouths like, well, they wouldn't print this in the media. No, reading, <laughs> reading from a newspaper account of what's happening today. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? Now, pause right there. That's verse 11. Doesn't that sound very similar to what Peter says? The verse that says, how could God know? Does the Most High know anything? That's very similar to um, when they say, where is this coming, he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Right? You recognize the parallel? I think the psalmist is saying the same thing. They say, how could God know? Does the Most High know anything? All right, Penelope, why don't you pick up at verse 12? Verse 12. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Look at that, amassing wealth. Who are the richest people in the world, right? People who reject God, rebel against God, right? Make life difficult for everyone who doesn't believe as they do. 
Yep, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. I have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. All right, so here comes the kicker. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. And Russell, why don't you read from verse 18 to tell us their final destiny? Excuse me. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. You will arise, Lord. You will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieving and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? The earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Thank you. And let me finish at verse 27. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So, we have hope in Scripture, and it's it's also, it lightens the burden a little bit to know that we're not the only people who have felt this way through history, right? Yeah. Definitely. All right. So, first of all, if we see evidence today of irrationality and loss of all reason, like we talked about in the second section, what does this portend? If the Scriptures are true... What does all of this tell us is coming next? Their destruction. God's returning. God's coming. Yep. Their destruction. So, first of all, my icebergs, you get a goal horn. Because get a party started. <laughs> you have shown to everyone that unlike the so-called meteorologist after whom this podcast was named, that is the Pharisees who were quite capable of predicting the weather, making forecasts from the clouds and other natural phenomenon while pretending to un- pretending not to understand the times that were coming as a result of their behavior and their apostasy. You, on the other hand, my icebergs, not snowflakes, including even remote Russell, understand the times and like the men of Issachar, what? Know what to do. Know what to do. Of course, sometimes we feel like Lot, Right, A righteous man who is distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Or we feel like David, or Asaph, sorry, in Psalm 73. But our only hope and our best hope is in the scriptures because it is true. Any questions? Final comments? I don't think so. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I think that... Anything from down south, Russell? Well, you called me up. You said icebergs, including remote Russell. Yes. So we're including you in the icebergs, even though it might be a little melty down there in the heat of the south. 
Yeah, it's pretty hot down here. Yeah, no one likes it. I want right. to come up north. Well, it was good to have you back, Russell. Hope you come back again. I hope to be back. Yeah, one day you'll be able to hear all the sound effects. <laughs> yeah, I just hear like silence. That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs, our producer, and to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. And how can we know what we are to do? Unless we We believe believe what is true. true. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and you've been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists.